Warning. Warning. This podcast contains information in Italian language. I repeat, this podcast contains information in Italian. Cin cin. Italian Wine Podcast. Cin cin with Italian Wine People. Hey Wine Geek, it's nice to have you back. Welcome to this extra special episode of Everybody Needs a Bit of Scienza, where Stevie Kim and Il Professore take a trip to Azienda Agricola Foradori. A video version of this podcast is available on Mama Jumbo Shrimp's YouTube channel. Check it out! Okay, go, go ahead. Ciao! Questo è Italian Wine Podcast, live da Furadori. You say something. I say something. Yeah. Buongiorno a tutti. It's Ken Dolomiti. And you say something. Hello. Buonasera, tutto a posto. I know, it's, it's, it's past 12. It's, I thought it was only one person. No, it's okay. This is com- complete improvisation. Okay, welcome everybody. My name is Stevie Kim. This is a special edition of Everybody Needs a Bit of Scienza. And we're here today visiting uh, Foradori, of course, the innovative um, winemaking institute, if you will, um, of this area, which is called... Um, very famous for Teroldogo, but it's so much more than that. So I'm very grateful that we're here today because it's very exciting to see kind of the new generation of um, winemaking happening. Are you okay with that? No. <laughs> okay, we have, do we have to start over? <laughs> okay, it's okay. As Stevie began to interview Foradori brothers and sister, she realized that her cameraman couldn't start the recording on one of the cameras. She plays it cool, and makes fun of Kuhn. But please don't forget that she is the one that always forgets to press the recording button. Ay 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 Stevie. So we'll use that as kind of, I guess, like kind of the backstage. All right, it'll, it'll be like bloopers. Are you on now? Yes. He had too much lasagna. <laughs> yeah. I'm sorry. Yeah. <laughs> lasagna and cheese. Right? <laughs> ah, he's a cheese coma. No. Is this on? Yeah, this one. Is this on? Yeah. Is this on? Is your phone on? My phone's on. I'm I'm on it, babe. I don't know about you. You the millennials are not on. Are you on? I couldn't. Okay, we're going to start again. Hello, everybody. This is Everybody Needs a Bit of Shinsa, special edition on the road. We're here in Foradori. Foradori, of course, is this famous um, winemaking company in this area of near Dolomiti. I actually have a house up in just above. Um, this is called Mezzo Lombardo, right? Right. Yes. Right. Okay, so I actually have a small house just like um, short distance from here, which I never go, in, in the mountain house. So I, I'm familiar with this area and, of course, of the wine. In fact, I came here like one Christmas. Between Christmas and New Year's Eve, I pinged your mom, um, Emilio, and she wasn't around. She's like, I'm busy, but if you want, I'll make my son come and you know, open the shop for you. So that's what happened. So I had a chance to meet Emilio before. But 
I hadn't met Theo and Mirta, so it's a great, it's my great pleasure to welcome them and、uh, grateful that they can share、um, um, share some stories with us. So, I would first like to just introduce the three siblings、um, in order of, I guess. Birth, if you will. So let's start with Emilia. Tell us a little bit about yourself to our audience who may not know who you are, and especially Foradori. So since 2013, I'm in charge of the winemaking and the viticulture. But actually, before coming here in 2013, I I started philosophy. So I graduated. How、KBA. old are you, Emilia? I'm 33 now.、Um, so with 18, you look like 15, but yeah. yeah. I have a wiser brother. He looks much more mature than me, but、uh, this is like genetics, as Mr. Shetz often says. So before coming here, I, I graduated in Tübingen,、um, philosophy, and then I, I worked in some wineries around the world, Chateau Cheval Blanc, and and some stuff. Not a bad place to not, be. Not a bad place to be. Finally, studied in Montpellier, and and I decided to come to the Dolomites. Not only because of wine, also because of skiing, because that's also yeah, that's your thing. Are you skiing or snowboarding? Skiing,、uh, but、uh, not on the slope.、Uh, like、Fuori pista. Fuori pista. Ah,、exactly. now I see where the name comes from. Okay, Teo, what about you? You're the middle child. Yes. With、I'm... everything that brings with the middle child, right? Has to be. No, I'm、uh, I'm Teo. I'm thirty one. So、um, I am the guy in charge of、uh, traveling around and promoting the winery. So I am a bit the brand ambassador, if you like.、Mm-hmm. Um, so you're kind of the face behind the new Foradori. Yeah, that's、are. why it's a bit used up, and I look older. Than <laughs> <I am. So laughs> guess,、uh, Good one. <laughs> I guess、uh, it's not true that it doesn't use you up to be photographed, you know, and all the fans and all you know, all the women right. Around, exactly. Crazy, you you have your fan、crazy. club, the groupies. Everybody, everybody takes a piece of me, and so I get older. No、um, jokes aside. We, of course, I I share.、Um, The decisions with、uh, in the production with my brother, so I'm here during harvest. We do things together, but most of the time of the year,、um, I'm on the road in Italy and abroad、um, <clears throat> to do. You know, as I as I usually say, there is no sommelier that wakes up in the morning and thinks about what kind of terroldo he wants to put on his wine list. So you kind of have to, you know, remember them that you exist and that there is、uh, varieties which are difficult to pronounce but still taste good. Yeah, how do how do the Americans get on with Teroldego? Oh, they like it a lot. No, I mean, like, how do they pronounce it? Teroldego. Yeah, Teroldego.、Uh, Teroldego. <laughs> nice, nice, Marta. Nice. Yeah, but it's also it's.、Uh, I mean, even Italians have a hard time pronouncing it, so it's not really. It's a long word. Right. So how how was the how did you because you used to go around all the time right because you're the commercial side、um, how did you live how did you survive how have you survived the pandemic it's not even over yet badly right I didn't get the virus but、uh, no, did anybody get、uh, get COVID in the no, family no, no nobody You know, you can all get.、Um, you can sign up for the vaccination now. I don't know if you guys are Novax or whatever, but as of I'm, I, you, you say, are. I'm gonna keep the right of not answering the question. Yes, <laughs> so yeah, this, yeah, so yeah. This,、uh, I kind of figure you're like take, a no. I kind of had that feeling you were Novax. I take the Fifth Amendment. Yeah, I'm not a Novax. I'm not a Novax. 
Because, you know, as of this morning, you can sign up to get the vaccination. Uh, in South Tyrol, it's actually been almost a month. Oh, really? Hey, all my okay. Vaccine. All right. I'm going to just quickly move over to Myrta now just to introduce you. Um, you're the youngest. I'm the youngest of the first three. Right. We have another little brother from another father. Right. Stepbrother. Um, uh, yes, exactly. But I'm the, um, yeah, the, the, the youngest of the first three. I'm 29 years old, becoming 30 in October, hopefully being able to drink cocktails again. I'm a mother, so my little son Pacifico is 10 months old. I hope by October I can then party again as I really can. Your son's name is Pacifico? Yes. My son's name is Pacifico um, because his great-grandfather, who is from the Marque, so my my boyfriend, uh, his father is from the Marque region, and it's a very rare name, but um, it's, yeah, his um, great-grandfather, Pacifico, and for me, because of the uh, um, Pacific Ocean. So I lived on the West Coast, I farmed in Oregon, I did my exchange year there, I studied environmental science in Freiburg in Germany, but I I was able to spend a year abroad at Oregon State University, and um, I love the Pacific Ocean, I traveled also to Washington State, to California, I was also in British Columbia during that year, so I saw so lots the ocean. of traveling. Lots of traveling before getting stuck here with vegetables, but it's fine. Okay, so tell us a little bit about what you're doing in the company. A different side of business, right? It's like a new startup, if you will. I'm like the, yeah, exactly. I'm the startup, um, vegetable startup inside of the wine estate. So the wine estate is my, let's say, my bank, I would say. So it's my third year of production. Emilia already said, by the fifth year, like every startup, if it doesn't work, you're going to go back, sell wine. <laughs> no, I mean, uh, it's uh, my, my role in here is to bring in this um, side of biodiversity that we um, claim and work on as good as we can, being a biodynamic wine estate, um, introducing biodiversity and other production cycles that help us to close the production cycle in general. So I grow vegetables on a small scale. <clears throat> it's about 1,400 square meters. So it's less than a quarter of an acre um, in between the vineyards under the pergola, which are a wide spaced um, uh, trolligo vines. And then um, on a bigger field, it's a new project that we're working on. And I supply the local, let's say, um, private customers that come and some restaurants. And what kind of plantings are you doing? What kind of vegetables? I grow approximately between 20 to 30 different varieties, depending on uh, my mood and the years and how it goes. Um, I grow a lot of greens, so I learned to grow vegetables on a, let's say, sustainable scale and economically viable scale when I was in Quebec, in Canada. And also when I was in Oregon, I was very impressed about the variety of vegetables that you can get at farmer's markets. And the, the here people have a weird relationship with vegetables. They give it for granted that there's vegetables everywhere, but they forgot a little bit about the actual taste and the price behind growing a vegetables in a good way. So I do a lot of greens, so salad mixes, um, turnips, salad turnips. Nobody eats here and knows here turnips. Mm-hmm. Um, I do um, all the chard, kale. But where do greens. you get the uh, the plants? I From have, a nursery? Uh, I have a local nursery that produces organic plants. Um, I would like to have my own nursery soon um, to be able to bring in 
the seeds that I actually want, the varieties that I want to be growing in my fields, because the nursery implies to choose from their own catalog, mm -hmm. which is okay, but on certain things it's not. And so some of the plants I do myself, like my tomato selection, I do my own plants, same for the winter squash and some funky stuff that I get from seed exchanging all over the world, mm -hmm. especially from the West Coast. And so um, sneaking in some varieties that nobody has here. Yeah, so you had mentioned uh, this concept of biodynamic um aspect of Foradori. Let me ask Theo. So you're the brand ambassador. How, how do you explain to your um, consumers or even your importers what biodynamic uh, means? Biodynamic viticulture, biodynamic wines. So Theo, tell us how you explain, because of course, you know, your mom was kind of the pioneer, the forerunner in the biodynamic winemaking um, it, biodynamic viticulture, biodynamic wines in Italy. How do you um, explain or present yourself um, to the audience you have in front of you, whether they're trade professionals or consumers? Well, first of all, there is no such thing as a biodynamic wine. There is only wines from biodynamic agriculture. So the vinification process, the transformation from grapes to wine, this can be regulated by biodynamic certifications, but in fact, it's it's a separate field. Okay. So how the wine tastes, of course, is... That's impacted. a good point. It's impacted by how good the grapes are, but biodynamics is about agriculture. It's not about wine. In fact, the founder of Biodynamic Stein himself would probably not be happy to about wine in general because it's a monoculture. It's... it's a, I mean, it's inevitably a field with a lot of plants that are basically the same. So in terms of um, how to differentiate from other forms of agriculture, biodynamics is, uh, has, has the traits of a philosophy in the sense that there is a spectrum in which you try to engage with the ideas that are brought upon um, by, by biodynamics, which means you know, enheden, enhanced biodiversity, you have the obligation to have animals, um, uh, you have uh, what kind of animals do you have? Cows, cows, mm -hmm. and, well, and and all the secondary animals in a way, the non-productive animals like uh, dogs and cats, but they don't count. But they're domestic chickens. Yes. But cows are domestic as well. Yeah, not in in a way. Yeah. Okay. Um, uh, but um, yes, yeah, so um, basically, um, biodynamics forces you to. Um, break the logic where you have a problem and you fix it with something that you um, spray or that you interact with, but tries to work on the resilience of the soil and of the plant itself. So it's basically trying to create um, a form of self-defense or a strengthening of the plant so that you have to intervene less in the moment that you bring this uh, resilience on in several years. So it takes some time to see some, uh, let's say, some results. And we um, did the first tests uh, on the just on the field behind of us, which uh, was uh, Cesura in 1999. And, um, you know, you start to see the results in how things grow and how the soil behaves and how many problems less you have when you have actually problematic moments like hail or um, you just have a, a more resilient plant. Then I don't think that the technicalities of the preparates are appropriate here but you mean the preparations yes yeah or um but when when did foradori become i mean um embraced biodynamic agriculture 
But there is a sort of um, well, this might be a bit complicated. But but Biodynamics, Mr. Stein, or the founder of Biodynamics, was the let's say the manager of the of the library of uh, Johann Wolfgang von Goethe. Mm -hmm. Goethe. And uh, my father had a very strong link to Goethe, and he didn't like Rudolf Steiner. But a lot of the things that he derived from Goethe in his, uh, let's say, agricultural philosophy are actually very similar to what Steiner did. So we actually Oh, that's were, interesting. You know, so he didn't like, he wasn't keen no, about Steiner. He, no, he didn't like him. He thought that he was a bit too, I mean, he was an egomaniac and that he had some religious traits that he didn't like. And it was also using Goethe's ideas to propose himself as a savior, mm -hmm. which is, you know, you know, could be argued. But uh, so a lot of the things that we were applying in terms of uh, reasoning about agriculture and the way we were um, already trying to, um, uh, you know, propagate plants by seed and a lot of the reasoning was actually the same. So my mother embraced actually biodynamics after meeting um, Mark Kreidenweiss from Alsace. Mm -hmm. So he was a little bit the person who gave her more of an access to actually to, to Steiner himself. And this was, um, this was the beginning, in fact. Thank you for tuning in once again to this special episode of Everybody Needs a Bit of Scienza. I'll see you next time. Chin Chin.